Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on the small called articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Welcome, guys. We are on a new batch of episodes today as we continue our march through the Small Called Articles. Yeah, we're done talking about original sin, which is kind of nice, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're just talking about how we know about sin. Yeah, Yeah, right. Slowly working our way through the gospel. Mm. Yeah. It'll come. Yes. It'll come. Yeah. Uh, So the topic before us is the law. Uh, Yeah. It's it's uh, our part three, article two, section A. I fought the law and the yeah, law. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we got to get all those we, out of our system. Yeah, we have had in our pre-production meeting here so many songs that have come yeah. to mind from the 1980s and 90s that really belong on the show, but we just would have to start a new podcast for it. So, and probably get new jobs, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jason. Let, let's let Brett read let's for us yeah. from the Small Called Articles. Small Called, yes, I'll, I'll read this for us. It's not as long as the, the more recent one, so it's uh, the law. So it says this, Here we maintain that the law was given by God, first of all, to restrain sins by threats and fear of punishment, and by the promise and offer of grace and favor. But this purpose failed because of the wickedness which sin has worked in man. Some who hate the law because it forbids what they desire to do and commands what they are unwilling to do are made worse thereby. Accordingly, insofar as they are not restrained by punishment, they act against the law even more than before. These are the rude and wicked people who do evil whenever they have opportunity. Others become blind and presumptuous, imagining that they can they can and do keep the law by their own powers, as was just said above concerning the scholastic theologians. Hypocrites and false saints are produced in this way. However, the chief function or power of the law is to make original sin manifest and to show man to what utter depths his nature has fallen and how corrupt it has become. So the law must tell him that he neither has nor cares for God or that he worships strange strange gods, something that he would not have believed before without a knowledge of the law. Thus he is terror-stricken and humbled, becoming becomes despondent and despairing, anxiously desires help but does not know where to find it, and begins to be alienated from God, to murmur, etc. This is what is meant by Romans 4.15, the law brings wrath, and Romans 5.20, the law came in to increase the trespass. All right, that's the section we're looking at in the small called articles today. Uh, so we're, we're thinking about functions of the law today. I'm so uh, happy. Yes, the, the, I feel like you know, like the coach of little league setting the ball on the tee. Yeah. All right, go go for it. So the the whole distinction between functions and uses is one of my very early Lutheran pet peeves, and it comes about because if we talk about the three uses of the law, what ends up happening is people hear that we use the law in specific ways, and in, in more than one instance, I've heard pastors defend bad sermons by saying, oh, that was a third use sermon. I was trying for the third use. Yeah. Or no, just saying it was a third use sermon. And 
And it's the reality that we don't wield God's law that way. Now, certainly we can direct it so the application comes out heavy on that, but I think uh, we're missing the mark on how God's word actually uses. And so uh, I've reverted to, and and I know several Lutherans do too, we, we talk about the functions of the law because it's not necessarily us wielding the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And so uh, the task of the Lutheran preacher and the task of any preacher is to, you need to um, preach the word and let the Holy Spirit do do his job. And so the law functions in certain ways based on how the Holy Spirit is applying it to your mind and to your heart. Okay. Yeah, I think I like the the phrase function. I think it's clearer to us as individuals, and that's the way I teach it to my classes too. When we talk about uh, the law and gospel as kind of being the key to understanding the scriptures, we have to understand what those are. We go through the, go- uh, the the functions of the law, and one of the things I did this just happened relatively recently in class. I happened to have. Uh, literally two sets of, of biological brothers who sit next to one another in the kind of the front corner of the classroom right in front of the podium where I teach. So I said, this this is how it works. If you were to break this down, that that God's law functions in different ways and I don't get to choose the function of how it works. So for instance, I as pastor stand up here and I preach a wonderful sermon on the importance of loving one's brother, literally. And to one set of brothers, I said, so for you two, you're going to be thinking, and I said to one of the brothers, you're going to be thinking about how you just beat your brother mercilessly last night with bare fists. And you're going to feel guilty about that because you're not loving your your brother like you should. The law functions in a certain way, that is to convict. And I said to the other set of brothers, I said, you guys, you you love each other. You're both Christian brothers and you you want to serve one another. And so, you know, the the one went out and bought flowers for the other and they didn't like that. That was a bad illustration, but you know, you you did something nice. So (laughs) The law in saying love your brother reminded you as a Christian and guided you as a Christian how to, uh, we should say, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it it, it served as a ruler or a guide for you to how to love your brother. And, And I didn't get to choose. All I preached was love your brother. And the Holy Spirit did the work of application in the hearts. And for one, it was an application of the second function of the law. And the, the other group, it was the function of the third. But that's not my choice. That's the Holy Spirit's choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be the same message but different people receive it differently based on how the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'd be good at this early stage just to define in Adam, you referred to a couple of the functions there, but um, yeah, what are the three functions of the law? Or are there more than that? No, just three. Let's not get crazy. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we're Lutherans yeah, after I all, know. Brett. Yeah, Let's slow it's, down, it's, it's brother. It's a series of uh, twos and threes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, well, uh, can I start, Jason? Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, it says right here, it talks about restraining sin, right? And and that first function uh, historically is that of a curb or a, a kind of a, like, I, I like to think of it like if you're bowling, you know, and using bumpers uh, so that you don't go in the gutter, you know, that the law, it kind of keeps society in, in such a... Uh, an order or fashion that it doesn't destroy itself, uh, which is really helpful when you have a neighbor uh, and that neighbor is not a Christian and he doesn't murder you. That's convenient. He has on his heart (laughs) written that I'm not going, which is kind of funny. Okay. So that's the first function and we'll come back to the other two, but I want the story that comes along with that. I had a kid in, in uh, we're going to come to this. The law cannot save. That's one thing it can't do. It doesn't function to save us theologically. But I asked this question, my confirmants, does the law save us? And or can the law, not does, but can the law save us? 
And this kid, brilliant kid, but just kind of different level thinker, he answered yes. And I counted it wrong. And I explained to him why I, you know, I counted it wrong. He's like, but it is true. It, it keeps my neighbor from murdering me. <laughs> I was like, well, I said, so I guess it saves you in this life. I was talking eternally, but yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that was a good point, right? Yeah. So that, that all, all people everywhere have the law written on their hearts. Now they don't all follow it. They have it all written to a different degree, not written to a different degree. They, they, their conscience, uh, allows it to, to seep into a, a certain degree or another. But at the same time, that, that law is known to people in society. Second function. Jason. Yeah, second function is the mirror, and the mirror is the law reflecting on our own lives. So the, the first function of the law is the boundaries wherein it's appropriate yeah. to yeah. act in. The rumble know, strip. The rumble. Uh, you know, like, like if we could envision that there would be boundaries on the road that would show you where you can drive and where you can't drive, we might call them <laughs> curbs. <laughs> That's how the first function of the law works. Yeah. But the second function is the mirror, yep. and, and the law is designed to reflect in our own hearts how we're measuring up to God's law. And so the... Um, the, the, we refer to the law sometimes in confirmation class with SOS. The first time shows us our sin. The gospel shows us our savior. And so you have the two SOS moments in the Christian life. That's what the mirror does. And so it's where the law is always built for introspection that we're hmm. always measuring. So, and, and that is the proper application of passages like Matthew seven, the judge, not, you know, it's not for, you know, it's amazing how willing atheists are to quote scripture when it benefits them, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the whole judge not thing, it's not that we're not permitted to judge. It's that we're supposed to be judging ourselves by a higher standard than even what we judge our neighbor by because we're applying the law to our lives. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's the mirror. Brett, you get to do the yeah. third. Yeah. Hey, how about that? We got three, three of us. Yeah. yeah so the, it's yeah. Fortuitous. Third, it's fortuitous. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so we have the third function of, of the law being that of a guide. And, uh, you know, this is the only one of the function that is specifically for Christians in the sense of, you know, for a, a redeemed, believing Christian, uh, the purpose of the law or the function of the law, uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit shows us ways of obedience, uh, specific ways of obedience not not to earn our salvation, but in light of our salvation uh, as we live in this life of sanctification. Yeah, and the third function of the law, that's where all of the controversy in the Lutheran mm -hmm. Church comes from, because there's an entire wing of people yeah. in Lutheran heritage who say that the third function of the law doesn't exist, and that the, the Spirit produces obedience to the law spontaneously in the lives of Christians because we're regenerated. That's mm -hmm. where the, right. the source, and that, that actually comes up in the formula of Concord. I was going to say, there's a is it in the formula? Yeah, there's yeah, an entire okay. article yes. in the formula yeah. about that. So this is probably not the place to hash that out, just to say that depending on what flavor of Lutherans you're listening to, sure. some reject the third function of the law. Uh, and, maybe and, some lean too much into that. Well, you could maybe, I think, maybe accuse Lutheran pietists sure. of doing that. But, but then again, it's still based on the Holy Spirit's work of it's, it's, taking the law. Yeah, it's still... and. What you end up with, if you if you miss out on the third functional law, you have people who are unwilling to preach about good works, hmm. and so this is the the rejection of the third functional law are one of the symptoms of gospel reductionism, mm -hmm. where what you end up with is law bad, gospel good, right? And that's kind of that's the Ferdian Gerhard Ferdy 
sort of rejection of a standard struggle, human struggle against sin. Now, can I can I jump in? I'm going to ask you a question on this because, and, and this was not pre-planned. So if this goes poorly and we have to cancel uh, into this episode or something, that Brian I, I apologize just like the sound effect. <laughs> <I board>. <laughs> <laughs> we found out we weren't failing on the sound effect. We just didn't tell Brian about the. I set you uh, up for that. Just yeah. the file. Yes. yes, I'm so glad. This is now our ninth episode describing Beating uh, that joke into descri- the <laughs> describing sounds you've never heard. Um, anyway, so I don't even know where I was going after that. The question uh, that you didn't prepare to ask. That I didn't. Yeah, that doesn't help me. About There's the, a lot of the law, the third use, third oh, function. So when third we, function. There, there we, go. we go. See, this is why Freudian we have. Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Oh, man. Wop, wop. Anyway. Wow, this is sorry, listeners. Um, this <laughs> good radio. Is what this is. <laughs> this is one of those things. Okay, we we are afraid to some degree as Lutherans to preach the law in part because, and I think that this is. I think this is. I don't know what what particular groups of Lutheranism would would hold to this, but I think we would all kind of talk about the new nature of the Christian as being one that can't do anything wrong. The new nature never fails. It never disappoints. It never sins. It always does what's right. It's always seeking the right thing. The Christian doesn't always do those things because the Christian is at this is simultaneously battling the um, saint, the old nature. Saint yeah, yeah, no, the, yeah. that saint sinner. So you're justice. battling the old nature of the flesh, uh, and so you know that's Romans seven, right? That's okay. the whole the, all of the pronouns, the personal pronouns I in that particular chapter. You can break down and who's talking? <laughs> I do what I don't want to do. What are you talking about? Is Paul schizophrenic, or is he actually describing two natures? And and so we would say to, to some degree that. There is nothing that the new nature does wrong. Therefore, it doesn't need to be prompted. It doesn't need to be told to do this because the new nature is always doing this. However, how is the new nature functioning? And, and the question is, how, how does God ever speak to us? How does God incite and drive and, and lead and whatever and guide us in any capacity? It's through his word, right? So as that word is preached, I think, I think we have to make the argument. And I would make the argument. I don't know if you guys would or not. I don't know if you'd agree with me. And you don't have to. But I think we have to be preaching the third function of the law, uh, not not because that that's what we're doing. We're, we preach the law and trust that, okay, yeah, but Christians, we can yeah. call to live yes. a certain way, yeah. but that's because the word calls, not because I call. And it's the word that motivates and changes and, and it, it motivates the new nature. And so I, I think that to, just to ignore it would be anton, antinomian as, as Luther, you know, decries and says, no, that's not right. Um, but we need it because the word is the thing that motivates and encourages and directs. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. I, I I have to unpack exactly uh, how precise it is that the new nature never sins and the new nature never fails. Um, I think you can say that because of the symbol and the old Adam, new Adam sort of thing. But regardless, is you're right, we need the law to guide us. Actually, the way I teach that we need the law to guide us is simply that God gave Adam the law in the garden before the fall. And Adam did not have a corrupt nature at that point in time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 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 maybe this, Brett, is a good yeah. place for me to roll in what I've developed as yeah, the three purposes I, 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 of yep. the law. Yeah, go uh, for it. And I... Can, can I just say something to that Adam yep. comment? I don't. <laughs> it wasn't a... Not the third Adam, the yeah. first Adam. Yes, the first Adam, not the third. Um, I think that I would distinguish 
that old nature, new nature with, with Adam, right? Mm-hmm. The pre-fall Adam as, as his original unfallen nature, which I think is distinct from the new nature in Christ. Now, the, uh, the, the, out, how, how those play out in the life of the Christian, I think, you know, obviously is going to look very similar. However, I, in the sense that the new nature, I don't think is, is corruptible. I think the new nature is that which we will carry on into our resurrected bodies, the, the imperishable, the incorruptible. I think we'll carry that new nature into that next level, whereas Adam's nature was unfallen, but possessed the capability of falling. Does that make sense? So I would yeah, distinguish I those saying. two yeah. relationships. You know, the Christian, I think, is different than pre-fall Adam in that... Um, yeah, that it, that's the true representa- representation, the reflection, the image of God yeah. uh, perfected. I but, see what you're saying, but Adam was still uncorrupted. I mean, we're splitting hairs because of hindsight on some level with that. Sure. Adam was still uncorrupted. So you start, God gave the law in the garden. The, the second thing, what I hesitate with doing this and in, in why we need the third functional law and why we need all these is even as... Uh, you know, new creatures, even as redeemed, even as sanctified, uh, we're not God. And so God never, ever promises to download his thoughts right into our thoughts. Where, you know, being a Christian isn't being part of like a Borg hive mind sort of thing <laughs> like that, right? And and that's why, you know, I, I, I was trying to, when I was first writing the Being Lutheran material 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was trying to come up with a way to illustrate some of these things. One of the other things you run into in Lutheran circles is uh, some Lutherans, and, and these tend to be on the more radical end, will, will say that the law is entirely arbitrary, right? That God can do whatever he wants, and so these are the laws he gave us because he's God and we have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, eh, it just doesn't fit. And so as I read, uh, I read through, you know, actually, the small card articles, this is one of the places where I formed it, Luther's... Uh, Freedom of a Christian was another place yeah. where I got some of these. Yeah, great I started, started to see is what what we needed were three purposes of the law that match up with the functions of the law to describe how this is working. Why do we have the law? And, and so this is what I've come up with, and, and I've put it out there publicly for people to critique. I've received a lot of positive feedback. I don't think I'm a heretic. Um, and these are ideas that were there. Like, I'm not inventing them. They're ideas that have been here all the time. I'm just sorting them out in my own unique way, maybe. So the, the primary purpose of the law, the first purpose of the law, is to reveal the holy will and character of God. And, and this is the level where we can't, like, God, it's, it's not, it doesn't work like a worksheet in high school where the teacher just needs something to grade. Right. But we always treat the law like that. It's like, okay, uh, uh, you know, as long as I pass the test, I'm good. And we miss out on, no, the law is the holy will and character of God. And so God says in Leviticus 19, 2, you shall be holy as I, the Lord, your God am holy. And Jesus doubles down on that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 48, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And it's, it's not only, uh, well, here, I'll start it this way. God wants us to be holy and he wants us to be holy because he's holy, which means he wants us to be holy in the way that he's holy. And the 10 commandments are the expression of that. Mm -hmm. That's 
how you get there, right? So then they're not arbitrary. What the Ten Commandments are doing is they're actually teaching us about God, and they teach us more about God than they teach us about ourselves. So we, we learn in the Ten Commandments, you know, sure, the first three uh, cover our relationship with God. We understand how they refer to God, but then God reveals himself as a God who loves life and a God who loves marital faithfulness and a God who loves uh, material blessing and a God who protects our reputations. All of these things are God for us. And in fact, uh, I've developed a list, I've put it online a couple times, that in light of this first purpose of the law, which declares the holy will and character of God, there is in Jesus a gospel fulfillment of each one of the laws in the Ten Commandments. So like, for instance, you take the eighth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Jesus is mentioned as our advocate, that he upholds our reputation before God in heaven, things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first one is the law declares the holy will and character of God. The second purpose of the law is that the law prepares us for our savior. And so that would that is there to get rid of the law, bad, gospel, good distinction. Mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. The law might make you feel bad, but the law only makes you feel bad because you're a sinner, not because the law is bad. And right. that's Romans 7 material too. Yep. And the third one is the one for vocation. And the, the law protects my neighbor from my sinful self. And in our selfishness and in our original sin, we really understand and get frustrated when other people break the law to our disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So when we're on the short end of the stick, we get it. But the law is there so that we're the ones obeying the law, not necessarily worrying about what our neighbors are doing, because really the law is given to govern our relationship with our neighbor. And so that carries it back to that introspection. Is that it? Is that the three? Those are the three purposes. Okay, so here's, here's... a place where I would uh, maybe add to that. I don't disagree with anything you said, but uh, don't add to the words fourth, of Jason's prophecy or you're going to end up. Yeah. <laughs> a fourth purpose breaks everything down. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and uh, it's an imperfect number. So you have to get to seven. So yeah. be thinking of this, Brett, you, you're good at this. Um, you know, so, so what were they again? What were your th- three P's? It was uh, the will and the, holy character of God. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two is it prepares us for a savior. So purpose uh, of God, right? Yeah. His purposes yeah. of, of who he is. Maybe. Prepares. Prepares. Maybe uh, protects. And protects our neighbor. Yeah. I would actually add to that because that, that it's more than just a negative side for mm-hmm. our neighbor. It's also a positive side. So I would add the word provides. Yeah. You know, like it not only protects our neighbor from our faults, it also provides our neighbor with our blessings, with, with our, with our, uh, with our gifts to, to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbor. So the law is not just a, a negative thing of protection from neighbor, from our sin, but it's also exactly what tells me, what does it mean? What does my, what does my neighbor need now? What does it mean to love them nope. in this circumstance like in a positive way? So unfortunately we're at four, but I think that adds, I, do, I think, I think it rounds out. slash provides on the third one. Okay, we'll just make it two sides it would, of the same coin. Going in the same going in different directions, but speaking of the same relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Two sides no, of I the think same that's coin. really good. And and that kind of highlights, you know, in Luther's catechisms, he he labels each one of the commandments by both by their virtue and by their vice. Right? So that every time God forbids you to break a commandment, he's prescribing the yeah. virtue in it. Yep, it exactly. does the same thing. Yep, and that's that that works well with the yep. catechism for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, um, weird. Wow. Yeah. That we was uh, that up quick. I felt like yeah, that episode went right? kind of fast. I was like, all right, we're five minutes in. Let's yeah. keep going. Oh, yeah. wait, no. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so much to, uh, yeah, I love this, this topic here of, of, you know, I don't know about you guys, but 
maybe growing up where emphasis is more on law and, and or mixing of law and gospel, uh, this has been good to uh, for me personally as a pastor to be able to preach the law and and preach the gospel distinctly, but not avoid preaching the law. Um, and and just watching the spirit take it and function and being content. There's there's a contentment I think is as we end this episode. Yeah, one of the biggest blessings you get as a pastor who's preaching is when multiple people give you feedback yeah. in different directions yes. on the same sermon. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's always astounding <laughs> to me. But like that's our right. doctrine of the word, right? Yeah. Is if yeah. you're preaching the word and the Holy Spirit's operating hearts, it's like, Pastor, this part really spoke to me, and the different this part, and it has nothing to do with the skill of your preaching. Is like half the time I get compliments on stuff I don't even remember preaching. <laughs> yeah, you know that kind of a thing. But yeah. it, it's good that you see the Spirit yeah. working in that direction. Right. Yeah. It, I like I think, to see it when okay. they're legitimate applications. Sometimes you get the whole, oh, I'm, I, now you definitely told me how I'm supposed to deal with my, you know, yeah. wayward wife. No, I didn't speak to that. Not even, not even the right application. <laughs> Those are the ones I hate. But yeah, yeah. sometimes it does yeah. work out where you see that the word is working how it's supposed yeah, to. Sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's rarely ever my stubborn sister needs to really hear this message, yeah. Pastor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've shared this before, primarily in one episode a long time ago, but I remember as a young pastor, I was trying to preach the law in a certain function. And somebody came afterward and gave like a different application. And it was because the spirit was working in, in that person's life. And uh, that was just a, a real, just learning through hard knocks of, yeah. It, yeah. You, I mean, you can, you can, I think there's a way that you can aim your preaching of the law in a certain direction, but at still at the end of the day, the spirit will take it as, as he wishes. Yeah, it ought to be specific. You ought to speak the words that God says, but that doesn't mean you, you're going to direct the way it's heard and received. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, do you guys have a word of gospel as we end? The... <laughs> I know we, uh, I kind of feel like when you preach a sermon, you even if you're preaching the law, you still have to... Well, I mean... You know, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, we look at the law, the law condemns, it, it, it draws us to the reality, you aren't good enough, you aren't okay. Uh, and, and Paul does that, like he ar- makes that argument, he lays out so many aspects of the law in Romans one eighteen through 3.20. Uh, and he gets to 19, 3.19 and he says, basically, the, the law is given that every mouth shall be stopped and everyone held accountable before God. But then he launches into this beautiful promise of, you know, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by his grace. And so, yeah, you can't have one without the other. It's not just the law. The law condemns. It does its work, but it also points us to the one who succeeded and fulfilled the law on our behalf. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College invites you to attend Christmas at FLBC on December 1st through the 3rd, featuring performances by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary Choirs and the Symphonic Wind Ensemble. To register for free or find the live stream information, look at flbc.edu slash Christmas. God bless you and have a great week.